Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dismantling Injustice with the Brooklyn Community Bail Fund, where we offer insight and analysis on issues affecting folks who encounter the criminal, legal, and immigration systems and provide a space for you to hear from those communities directly. At Brooklyn Community Bail Fund, BCBF for short, we work to free people from incarceration, whether it's prison, jail, immigrant detention, or surveillance, and work with our allies to end the carceral system. You can learn more about our work by visiting us at brooklynbailfund.org. I'm Sully Israel, BCBF's Director of Special Initiatives, and in honor of Pride Month for these next few episodes of our podcast, we're going to be having conversations with our friends and partners who have been working on issues grounded in the fight for equality, justice, and civil human rights within the LGBTQ community. Today, we have the honor of being joined by Jennifer Love Wilms, who is an abolitionist and activist with the Black and Pink NYC. Uh, how you doing, Jennifer? I'm fine yourself. I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want, I mean, just take a minute to like tell us about yourself and your affiliation with Black and Pink NYC and how you got into this abolitionism and, and activist work. First and foremost, let me thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak. Um, I initially started off with um, Black and Pink on the national level, which the proper name is the National LGBT and HIV Criminal Justice Working Group. And I became the chair of the formerly incarcerated people's subgroup. Upon that, I realized that I needed more help when it came to New Jersey. Um, and being at New Jersey and New York are sibling states, and I ended up becoming a member of the NYC chapter, ultimately resulting in me be, being the late the, li damn, the liaison, as well as one of the abolitionists for NYC chapter. And then ultimately I ended up um, creating my own nonprofit, which is housed under the NYC chapter, which is the Gen Love Project. Great, great. And, and I know we, we talked about this before that you're much more than an activist and an abolitionist. You're, you're also a public facing Entertaining. You want to talk about that a little bit? So just in case somebody finds you, they understand exactly who you are, what you really are, everything that you're about. Yes. Um, I would always say that I'm an entertainer and an activist. I've been an entertainer for the past 23, going on 24 years. And um, I realized that throughout this time frame of me entertaining, I realized that I created a certain platform and a certain fan base that are following me to whatever clubs and locations and private events that I'm doing. And um, there was a time when I kept my vocals limited because I never wanted to hinder myself from bookings and gigs, but then I have my own traumas and then I'm seeing others deal with a great deal of injustice. And I realized that if I don't speak now, or ever speak, then I am useless. I can be beautiful and I can be talented, but without me using the platform that I have, I am a waste. So it led me to start speaking up and taking that risk and not caring because it was a more important factor for my community and my race that lied ahead. So, you, you, I think you just segued into us into our next part of the conversation. You, you mentioned two things: your community and your race, right? So, yeah. you know, in terms of your community, I, I take it you're talking about the LGBTQ plus community, uh, IA community, right? And then in terms of your race, you're talking about being black. So, I, you know, one of the reasons why we, we're, we're highlighting activists right now during Pride Month is particularly black activists that are, you know, vocal in terms of the intersectionality between what it means to be a part of the LGBTQ plus community and what it means to be black, especially in the face of, you know, 
all of the protests and, and awareness that came about in the wake of George Floyd's murder, I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the tensions you found between one, you know, what you're fighting for in terms of equality and human civil rights as a member of the LGBTQ plus community and, you know, the work you've, you're also doing as a as a as a black, you know, a black person uh, in, in America. Right. What, what are some of the things you find in terms of, you know, obstacles slash successes slash, you know, yeah, that, that you've had to encounter within that intersectionality, I'm wondering. To be honest, everything is a daily struggle. I following me on social media and stuff, people may get the wrong impression. Like I don't ever have to sweat or I'm never told no. I just choose not to complain about it. I nothing is wrong about complaining about it because sometimes complaining is what brings brings it to the forefront. Um, I just ch- chose to. Um, battle it differently and um to each his own everybody has to follow their own path and follow their own heart and then for me being black and being a black trans woman is like a double stab not even in the back is right in the chest because i'm sitting here and i'm fighting for my melanated skin to exist however i feel like my own race sits here and makes me um an outcast like i'm not viable and i'm not worthy to even exist. But then at the same token, being LGBT, being a trans woman, we are at the bottom of the spectrum. The community can care less about the trans men and women. However, we celebrate what we have now as pride due to a black trans woman and a Hispanic trans woman. However, they eat it up and we're put at the back burners. It's all about drag queens and gay men. And these drag queen and gay men are not black that they are even highlighting. So however it goes, and it's like a, I don't want to curse, but it's like a fucked up situation. Mm-hmm. And it's a constant struggle, even me as a retainer, me as an abolitionist. Now don't get me wrong. It may appear to the outside world that I get my piece of the pie. No, I'm brought to the front to sit here and speak on this and speak on that and show visibility. But the visibility that you're offering me is basically just so you can get your um, daily quota. You can go ahead and look like you're inclusive and it's not. I go to a black location. You don't want me here. (laughs) Um, Even though I'm fighting for the injustices of us as a black people, because when the police are killing us, when the Karens and Kins are calling the cops, you understand they're calling the cops on us as a whole. They're gonna treat me the same way they treat you because we share that same melanin, but that doesn't matter to my own race. And in the LGBT community, I'm, I'm non-existent. I'm just here for show. I'm here to be a show pony. I'm here to do some photo shoots, but I'm not here to be considered as a viable aspect of um, the LGBT community. And then not for nothing, even when you take the black factor of the LGBT community, you will find, you can go to any city, especially the more developed cities, and you can find a slew of um, so-called gayborhoods mm-hmm. where, the, where the LGBT community is supposed to go and feel safe to conjugate amongst one another. These things are white. Yeah. Period. They may, they will make a Hispanic night so the Hispanics can all come out, but they don't want to make a black night. <laughs> We're too violent and everything else. Y'all sitting here and have ball fights. Owners 
are sitting here having fights with customers. Owners are having fighters and fights with the other co-owners, not arguments. I mean, physical combat. But we're the violent ones. So however it goes, it's like, I'm going to wake up fighting. I'm going to go to bed fighting. But I know I can't give up because there's little young boys and girls and non-conforming people behind me, as well as overall Black children who are coming up behind me. And I know if I die, well, I'm going to die eventually. I hope no time soon. <laughs> that um, I make a path and uh, a blueprint just as those before me have done. Yeah, I mean, you, you touched on a few things. The, the, the one being, you know, kind of, I, I, I call it, uh, I call it, sometimes I call it straight hypocrisy that, uh, you know, when, it, when it's time to protest, you know, we can all walk amongst each other as being black and then on our way home, we can start turning on each other and, and basically exhibiting all kinds of violent hate for all kinds of reasons within our own community. So I'm, I, I've had a couple of people want to talk about that, their experiences being at, you know, when George Floyd's protest, the protest around George Floyd's murder has started, you know, some of the guests I've had on during Pride Month have talked about how, and particularly transgendered, black transgendered women, how, you know, at the one token, they're there to fight and stand up for what's right. At the same token, they got to be sw- head on a swivel because they're worrying about, you know, making sure they're safe after the protest is over because they don't want the animosity turned toward them, which is a, a very real thing. It is you know, it's a very unfortunate and horrible thing to be living in that kind of fear. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, what you just talked about is talk- it basically exemplifies the same type of sentiment that, I, that I've heard from other some of the guests during this month. And uh, so the question I have is, you know, what do you think in terms of like, how, how do we combat this? How do, how do we get to change? Right. It's funny because we're always talking about how we we spend a lot of time talking about how we change the way people outside of us as a black community look at us and treat us. And we don't spend much time talking about how we as a black community treat each other. And I think particularly with this issue of LGBTQ plus and the fight that you all have been, you know, committedly making for, the, you know, for decades uh, around questions of equitability and equality, you know, when you stand and when you stand in the protests of police brutality, you bring the same principles and the same ethics that you were fighting for, you know, in in, in your own within your own sub community, and it's like you think you're joining a larger community, and they have the same ethics and principles around what's supposed to happen with regards to, you know, equality and just human dignity and how we treat each other, and then you you feel turned on. I mean, again, this is, I'm not speaking for you particularly. I'm saying the sentiment that I've gotten from, you know, doing, doing this, this series right here that I'm doing right now. And what, what I'm wondering is, and it's not to put the, the burden on you, but I can't, tell, I can't tell your story better than you can. I'm wondering, what is, your, what is your vision of how we get beyond this moment and we get to the point where within our own community, we have more tolerance, we have more, you know, we have more acceptance, we have, we have a better way of dealing with difference. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, in, which is, and I say your thoughts, you know, share some of the work you've been doing around this. This ain't just a thought for you. I know you've been doing it. This is the work you've been doing and the work you live, you live for. I know. Okay. For myself, I know that it's gonna, it's not nothing that's gonna happen overnight, but then there's this term that's re- this recent term. Well, I've been hearing it in recent years and I've even myself had to adapt it. It's um, you have to learn the unlearn because everything about not caring about any other race and culture, just, African-Americans, Blacks, um, or people who are calling themselves as Blacks. You're taught that I'm a sin. You're taught to lust after me as a sin. You're taught to care for me, to even befriend me, and to allow me to, to exist. It's so wrong, let alone to become me. 
is so wrong, right? But who made that decision up? And I should never be ashamed, not even ashamed, I should never be afraid that we sitting here and we walking away from a protest um, and we had a, I feel something that's productive, right? Because you got to start somewhere. And I should never feel that any minute now, my own people are going to turn on me. Since I've been little, I knew I was black, but I also knew that I was a woman. I watch my male counterparts do harm to me. I've watched my male counterparts lust after me and violate and rape me, all Blacks. I have watched cisgendered Black women as well hate my bare existence. In 2019, I was having a huge internal battle within myself because I didn't know how to fight. This is before things got as drastic as they did in 2020. Um, I didn't know how to fight productively. I knew how, but I didn't. I didn't at the same token because I want to keep fighting for my people. I can never sit here and solely focus on protection and um, helping inside incarcerated people who are LGBTQ+. Because guess what? I'm formerly incarcerated. And when I'm in there, I'm seeing a whole, this is a modern day slavery and I'm seeing black, well, I'm in a black and Diane brown. I'm seeing black men and women in these um, situations. I'm watching them be forced to take plea deals because if not, you're trying to give them life for some simple mundane shit that you let the same white boy do and he got five years. <laughs> I'm watching this, I'm watching this. So just all is fueling me to come home and fight, but it's hard. How do you fight for someone who doesn't want you there? They want you to fight for them, but they don't want you to exist. And this is a daily struggle that I still have inside. It's frustrating, especially last year. It became so toxic. And um, I'm sitting here as a black trans woman and I'm struggling inside. I don't know. I'm focusing on my family, which is all black. I sit here and I have a brother. I have a nephew who is 21, about to be 22. He's been pretty sheltered. And I'm scared for them. I'm scared for my damn self. So when I'm fighting for any other black, any black man, cisgendered or trans man, I'm seeing a black man. I'm going to fight for you like you're my brother or my nephew because it could be my brother or my nephew or one of my male cousins or my uncles. But I'm also told once I open that door or make it aware, I'm also told, fuck out of here, you fag. You're still a man. What the hell? Did I violate you? Did I disrespect you? And it's sad when I can go in front of um, white people white counterparts and even some Hispanics, no matter how they may feel when I'm fighting for the overall of the LGBT community, especially trans women, guess what? I don't know what they personally feel about me because what they do do is keep that shit to themselves because we're here for a common cause and this can't happen. A major reason why we, I wanted to have these conversations, why we wanted to have these conversations because, you know, Pride Month, there's a lot to be celebrated and across the spectrum, of the LGBTQ plus community there is, but when it comes in particular to black, the black population of that community, you know, we still have stuff internally that, that, that makes it hard to celebrate. It's, it's especially when, you know, 
for, for those of our LGBTQ plus, you know, brothers and sisters who are also fighting a fight parallel in terms of just being black and having human rights and being treated with dignity as a black person. And, you know, we haven't had these conversations in our, we're starting to have them. You know, we have a lot more to have in our community about how can we be non-inclusive while at the same time fighting for inclusivity to the broader community, right? It's like on the one hand, you're saying you want justice and respect everywhere you go in this country as a black person, while at the same time denying that to certain members of the black community. So, I mean, we, we, we have to have these conversations because, uh, you know, we want, we want to be treated fairly. We want to be treated equitably. We want to be treated with equality. We want to be treated with dignity and respect. And, you know, we, we can't have the hypocrisy while, while we're doing that as a, as a marginalized group in this country fighting for that. We can't then treat people with the same disrespect and, not, and lack of dignity that are nothing more than a new marginalized group within our overall marginalized group. I, I, it, it, you know, and this is, this is a very tough discussion to have. Like you said, you don't want people to use these words against you. And this is not to say, like, this, there's, there's no equivocation here, right? That this is not a zero-sum game, right? It's not that, oh. Let me, let me, say, let me say this. When you said that, I was, I, you repeated my words. I don't want people using my words against me. It's going to happen. Yeah, I just yeah. don't want to give these words to a non-black person. You know, I've been trans for like 20-something years. <laughs> I've, I've tried my best to swing up the fly under the radar. Mm. But at this stage in the game, in the last several years, it's a different ball game. So I've gotten to experience um, misogyny and sexism and genderism at an all-time high. In addition to racism, and it's even worse when it's um, when I'm being given, being treated and respected as a woman, however, as a black woman, however, I'm still being treated less than by an egotistical male. And that's sad. It's another thing that's sad. And I don't want to ever see him make it seem like, um, I'm discrediting any other race, but my focus would primarily be my own race because we are so disfraction. Like I want us to get to a, a, a ground where we, we don't have to be an example for every other race. We just got to be an example for ourselves and our um, younger, younger babies and generations that's coming up regardless of if they're going to be cis or trans or L anywhere else on the LGBTQ spectrum. It's up, it's up to us to educate them. It's, us, it's up to us to show them a respectful playing field between us. And, and with that, you know, because we, we could do this all day. We, 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 you know, we could wind up talking for two and a half hours if we, if we, if we, don't, if we, if we don't check ourselves. So, so, so with, with that, what I, what I want to say is, uh, you know, one, again, thank you. And, you know, I, I told you before I wanted you to talk about whatever you were comfortable talking about. And these, the, you know, unfortunately, these are very uncomfortable conversations to have in our community, uh, you know. But so I appreciate you sharing, you know, your own experiences in in the space that we live in, which is within the black community, within the, the various identities we have within the black community, and some of the conflicts that we have within those identities. Uh, so I, it, it, what I'm gonna let you do now is if you could share your social media, if any, so that people can learn more about you and what you're doing, anything you got coming up. Uh, you know, plug yourself. Well, currently the main um, social media platform that I use, and I use them all, I would say Instagram, because that's the only one. Instagram or Twitter, because those two are not private. 
Um, Instagram is Jennifer Love 1976. Um, that's J E N N I F E R L O V E 1976. Most importantly, the Gen Love Project, you're always willing. We're always willing to accept donations. Um, and um, the webpage page for that is Jennifer Love, Gen Love Project.org, J E N L O V E Project, P R O J E C T.org. Or reach out to Black and Pink NYC. You can follow them on Instagram, Black and Pink NYC. And from there, you can make donations to them. We also have an amazing Print Proud project. The Print Proud project is something that's dear to me. I was blessed to have my family and loved ones constantly stay in contact and constantly be my voice when I was being mistreated once I got to get their attention at home. So to be a pen pal, you don't always have to be mon do monetary value. You can always sit there and just become a good friend to someone and be a voice. And then there's an amazing thing called JPay. It still sucks because no prisons should be here. But being that they are and until they are, you don't even have to be a pen pal through physical paper and pen. Everybody seems like in the tech savvy world, you can always sit here and reach out to a loved one or a future loved one through JPay. Thank you so much. And for those of our audience that want to learn more about the Brooklyn Community Bell Fund, you can visit us at www.brooklynbellfund.org. Uh, with that said, again, thank you so much, Jennifer Love. And, you thank know, you for having me. continue that, you know, continue doing amazing work you're doing uh, and amazing activism and support for, you know, our men and women, our sisters and our brothers that are incarcerated. And uh, thanks again.